Good morning. Kids, you are not dismissed. I know it's fifth Sunday. Kids are staying in today with us, which is a big bummer. Everybody go, aww. Actually, we got something for you in just a little bit. You're going to, I hope you like it, but we're going to do something with it. Uh, We are continuing our series called The Summer of Love, and we are talking about the things that Jesus said about love and what we can learn about that. So one of Jesus's most famous teachings, though, was when he had an interaction with a lawyer. And so I want you to see this. It's in Luke chapter 10, and we're going to jump right into the scripture this morning. And uh, read along with me. If you've got it with you in your notes, or you can follow along up on the screen. And uh, if not, grab your Bible and open that up. Love to have you do one of those. Ready? Here we go. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. He said, teacher, right, what should I do to inherit what? Eternal life. Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your... And lastly, love your neighbor how? As yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to what? He wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And that's the question, right? Who is my neighbor? And to answer this, Jesus told them a story. Now, I could just retell this story to you, but honestly, since it's a fifth Sunday, it's a family Sunday, which means the kids are in and our Spanish congregation is in with us, I thought it would be better if we just showed you the story. Would you agree with that? You want to see, you want to see this story live and in person? Great. In order for this to happen, I need some volunteers. I need some volunteers. Specifically, kids would be great if I could get volunteers who could do this. The first kid I need, they need to be kids who are not afraid to be up here with me. And they need, first kid I need is somebody whose mom has $20 cash on them and you can get mom to give it to you. It's the first person. You got to get the money before you, I'll call on you, but you got to get the money. Can you get the money? You got to get $20 from your mom. You got $20? Get up here. Oh, you beat you to it. All right. All right. So you're my first. Wait, wait. You don't got to come up here first. You're going to go up and see my friend Tim way up there. All right. There you go. Good deal. Now I need a couple more volunteers. I actually need three more volunteers. Some of you is wearing really nice jeans. Who's got nice jeans on? Really expensive, nice jeans that's willing to be up front. Are you willing to come up front? Let's see your jeans. Let's, let's take a look real quick. Oh, those are nice jeans. All right, go up there and see Pastor Tim up there. Uh, And then we're going to do this. I need somebody with rhythm. Who's got like good dance moves? Somebody with real dance. Do you have dance moves? Okay, come out to the center and let me see your dance moves. Let's see what you got. Give me a dance move. Let's see. That's okay. Yeah. Oh, man, get it. Okay, you're up there. That's easy. I don't even need anything else for that. Now I need somebody who's really, really nice, like the nicest kid here. Who is the nicest kid here? Are you the nicest kid here? You think so? Nicest kid? All right. Get up there. Head up, head up there. There we go. And then I need the nicest kid's dad. There you go. You're going to go sit right there in those reserve seats right there. Tim will tell you what to do. Are we ready? Are you guys ready for a story? 
Here we go. Okay, the rest of you have a role to play too. You are the crowd. You are the pedestrians on this road. And this is the story of Good Sam, the Levi's, and Judas Priest. Are you ready? You guys are going to act this out as I read it, and you're going to come do what I say in the story. Ready? One day, a traveler by the name of Vic, Vic Tim, was traveling up the road with his, to see his friend Jerry Coe. Along the way, he was greeted by pedestrians. Greet Vic Tim along the way. Greet Vic Tim. Say, hey, Vic, how's it going? Give, give Vic a high five. Give Vic a high, somebody give Vic a high five. Don't leave Vic alone right there. There you go. Pat her on the back. Vic, it is so good to see you. Yeah, she pat herself on the back. Vic, come on up here. Vic had a smile. Look at, look at Vic. Look how cute Vic is. Vic, is that, see your $20? Vic, I'm going to take your $20 and I'm going to push you down. Stay down. So now you've been robbed, and I haven't beaten you, or, but, but you, you get the picture, okay? You're a victim, all right? There you are, right there. All right, here we go. I got mom's money. <laughs> Sucker. Uh, here we go. Second up, oh, oh, I know what happened. Vic, you're, you're, you've been beaten. You're, lie down. You've been beaten, and I want you to, in a very soft voice, say help. Help. Say, say it like sadly. Help. There you go. That's good. <laughs> All right, Vic, good job. Uh, secondly, a very, uh, let's see, who could, <laughs> a cool dude wearing an awesome pair of Levi's strutted down, cool dudette, a cool chick wearing an awesome pair of Levi's walked down the road, striking a pose because she was wearing such cool Levi's. <laughs> Strike a pose. And every time she strikes a pose, the crowd reacts. Strike a pose. Keep coming. Strike a pose. All right. And that just encouraged her to strike more poses. Strike a pose. Yeah, there we go. All right. She came up and she noticed Vic on the ground. And she kneeled down to help Vic. But when she got down, she realized she got some dirt on her jeans. And so she immediately stepped, got back up, brushed off her jeans, and walked away. Poor Vic. Very good. All right. Coming down the road next was another traveler. This traveler had on headphones and was listening to her iPod, but was dancing the entire way, showing us her dance moves. I've noticed a problem with the headphones. Take off the headphones just enough. There you go. Showing us her dance moves. Whoa. And the crowd went... Absolutely. So she got up here with her iPod and she danced her way over to Vic. She was listening to a song by Judas Priest, an oldie. But when she got to Vic, she danced wildly around Vic. There we go. Vic faintly called for help. Help. (laughs) But she didn't notice because she was too busy dancing. Oh, yeah, there you go. And she just danced right off the stage. The next one down the road was the nicest person ever, Sam. Give Sam a hand up there. Sam was walking with his trusty donkey. Stop. 
his trusty donkey on all fours, on all fours. There we go. The donkey let out a loud hee-haw, a louder hee-haw. The hee-haw scared people in the crowd. (laughs) Yes. Sam saw Vic. Sam checked to see if Vic had a pulse. Right there. Thank God the the donkey's a medical professional. And he did have a pulse. Vic had a pulse. So, but Vic was injured. So Sam bandaged up Vic. Sit up, Vic. There you go. Put the bandages on. I would do the head, too. Seems like there was a massive head wound at some point. Nice job, Sam. And everybody in the crowd said, good job, Sam. (laughs) Are you okay, Vic? Yes. (laughs) So Sam put Vic onto the donkey. And Sam... There you go, get on his back. Trust me, he's strong. Here, we'll do side saddle. There you go. And Sam and his donkey took Vic to the Motel 6. Right there. Would you guys do me a favor and give them all a big hand? Thank you, Vic. All right, that's the story of the Good Samaritan, obviously. Um, Oh, yeah, 20 bucks. I forgot about the 20 bucks. It's the oldest trick in the book. (laughs) So what do we learn about love and action from the Good Samaritan? We're going to run through this story real quick. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope the kids have a good time here. But I want to talk to you about three things we see in people's attitudes towards others. The first is this, keep my distance, keep my distance. The story goes like this, Jesus replied with a story, a Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. So this is a priest, this is a religious professional, came walking down the road. You ever notice religious people taking on the chin in Jesus' story? That's the way it always works. But the priest came alongside and he crosses over to the other side of the road. Circle that in your outline, crosses over to the other side of the road. This guy is living a life of avoidance. We know what it's like, keep your distance. Don't make eye contact. Whatever you do, don't make eye contact. Don't think about other people's problems. Don't, don't get too close to people. You know, don't actually talk to them and find out what's going on. Steer clear. It's the first kind of person. The second attitude is this. Curious but uninvolved. 
Curious but uninvolved. Luke chapter 10 continues. It says a temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but also passed by where? On the other side. On the other side. Let's hear it for the pastors, shall we? This is the one story where the pastor's not good to be a pastor in this story, right? I listen, I, I, don't, I don't like being a pastor in this story, but this guy goes over and looks at him and then keeps walking. Are you kidding me? He sees a guy lying on the ground. He thinks to himself, man, that looks bad. That could be really bad. You're bleeding awful bad. Looks like you need a tourniquet. I'm going to keep walking. We would never do that, right? You'd never do that. Nobody here would ever do that, right? Except on the freeway. How many people know what I'm talking about? You ever get going on the freeway and you're, you're driving on the freeway and you see an accident and you, ride, and you slow down, everybody slows down and you get a good long look and then what do we do? We keep driving most of the time, right? We keep driving. We look over and we say, boy, I wonder what's happening over there. Boy, I wonder if anybody's hurt. I wonder if anybody got killed. I wonder if somebody called the police yet. I'm sure help is on the way. They probably already called someone. And then like all of us, when we've been driving in that situation, we've been looking, we've been looking. When you get to the end of where the accident is at, what do you see in front of you? Four lanes of open road. And you just, you keep going, right? That's what we do. We do it all the time. We do it all the time. We keep driving. Very few of us actually stop and get out of our car and see what can help. The third response that we have towards other people is what the Good Samaritan did, which is treat others how I want to be treated. In Luke 10, verse 33, it says, Then a what? Despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt what? Compassion for him. This is a despised Samaritan. This is not a priest. This is not a temple assistant. This is not a pastor. This is a foreigner. This is an unbeliever. And he came by and he saw and felt compassion for this man. And he did something about it. I read a story this week about a 65-year-old man in England who fell down a manhole. He was checking something in the trunk of his car in a parking lot. And a manhole cover he was standing on flipped on him. And he went down five feet into a manhole. This is in Boscombe, England, and, and uh, he told the BBC, this is what he told the BBC, probably 15 to 20 people walked by. The more I called out, the less they seemed to notice me. What surprised me is they didn't even make eye contact with me. He said, a woman actually parked alongside my camper and put the hood up on her car. And I said, can you please call me an ambulance? And she refused to acknowledge that I was even there. Colin said one shopper did acknowledge him, but did nothing to help. He said one chap looked straight at me in his car, driving very slowly by, and I waved. And he waved back and kept driving. Despite suffering broken ribs, uh, he was able to get his mobile phone out of his pocket and dial 999, which is, you know, England's version of 911, and uh, he was rescued. He needed 47 stitches. He had two broken ribs, a chipped tooth, and a strained groin. Now, let me ask you a question. If you were stuck in a manhole, wouldn't you want somebody to get you out? Wouldn't you want somebody to do something about it? I saw this quote by Martin Luther King this week as I was studying for this. Martin Luther King says this, on the parable of the Good Samaritan, I imagine that the first question the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? 
But by the very nature of his concern, the good Samaritan reversed the question and said, if I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? And that's the definition of it. Do I want to be treated the way that um, I treat others the way I want to be treated? So we're going to look at putting love into action. I'm going to give you four ways we put love into action. And we are going to rate ourselves on this along the way today, okay? Here's the first way. By the way, putting love into action, the definition of that is kindness. That is what kindness is. Kindness is putting love into action. And here's the first thing we need to do. We need to see the needs of the people around me. See the needs of the people around me. Luke 10, in the message says it this way. A Samaritan traveling down the road came on him. And when he, what? Saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. Kindness always starts with the eyes. It always starts with seeing what's going on. Listen, if you are not aware of what's happening around you, there is no way you can care for anyone. If you're not aware of what's going on around you, you can't care for anyone. Circle that phrase, when he saw. Circle that phrase, when he saw, in your outlines. Because can I tell you, there are wounded people, there are hurting people everywhere. All over the world. Wounded and hurting people. Uh, I have a, a daughter, and whenever my daughters are struggling with anything, whether it's anxiety or depression or just life is hard, I can see it in their eyes. Do you know what I'm talking about? Parents, when you look into your kids' eyes, and you can see, I call it they have dead eyes, is what I call it. They have dead eyes. You can see there's no life in their eyes, and I know they're struggling. I know they're hurting, and I know I need to step into their pain. Can I just tell you there are people like that everywhere you go? There are people like that at school. There are people like that at work. There are people like that that are across the counter from you as you're doing commerce. There are people hurting everywhere you go. You will, I guarantee you there are people sitting in here right now that the pain inside of them is overwhelming. And you will drive home today and you will look, glance over at somebody at a red light and you will see in their eyes, you can see it in their eyes when they're hurting. You've got to see it in order to do something about it. Why don't we see it? I'll tell you the reason why I think most of us don't see it. I think the death of, uh, of our compassion really comes from hurry. I think hurry is the enemy of kindness. That's what I really think it is. One of the biggest reasons that we aren't kind is because we are too busy. It's the death of kindness. Those, those guys that were going to, the, the religious professionals that were walking down the street, probably the reason they didn't stop is they were going to church. They had to get to church. Somebody's got to preach a sermon. Somebody's got to serve communion. They, got to, they had something they had to do. In fact, I read a study, Princeton, some psychology students from Princeton University did a, uh, they wanted to do an experiment around the Good Samaritan. So they grabbed some seminary students and they told them they needed to prepare a biblical talk and they were going to give this talk uh, in just a little while across campus. They would have to walk across campus to another building and give this talk. According, you know, obviously, what they did is, in between the two buildings, they put a man, slumped him over in between buildings in an alleyway where he was moaning and coughing violently, and they wanted to see who would stop to help. Here's the interesting thing. They wanted to, you know, collect data, so they did it a little differently with some of the different students. Some of them they told you can write any biblical talk you want to. Some of them they said, you specifically are going to talk about the Good Samaritan when you go over there to give this talk. And so they put them together, and they also said, hey, some of them they told, hey, you are late. You've got to get over there. It, right, they, you're, 
you're behind. Like, you've got to get over there right now. You've got no time. And another group, what they told them is they said, hey, you guys, you've got a few extra minutes. Honestly, they're not ready for you yet, but you might as well go over right now and just be ready when they're ready. So take your time, but you can get over there. The only significant difference in this study was whether or not the person was late or, or had a few minutes to spare. Those who were told that they got to get there right now, only 10% of those people stopped to deal with the, with the hurting man. Of those who had a few extra minutes, 63% of them stopped to acknowledge and to work with this man in his suffering. Get this, this is a quote from one of the authors. He said, indeed, on several occasions, a seminary student going to give his talk on the Good Samaritan literally stepped over the victims as he hurried on his way. Hurry is the enemy of seeing those who are struggling. Listen to what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 10, 24, it says, don't be concerned for what? Don't be concerned for your own good, but, be, but for the good of who? But for the good of others. I think we need to pray for spiritual radar, that we will see those who are hurting. We need a radar system that looks out for people in need around us, people who are hurting physically, people who are hurting emotionally, people who are hurting uh, physically, and who need encouragement. And so I think we're going to do that. Here, I'm going to ask you to rate yourself on this score. The first category is sensitivity. Do you see people who are hurting? And it's, you can raise yourself, number one, needs work, all the way to number five, which is great. I see people all the time. Um, no copying. Why is nobody writing? You're supposed to be circling right now. Write down, what are you doing? No copying the person next to you, okay? Let me give you a bigger question. What do you think, uh, what do you think the people you work with would say you score on this? What do you think your kids would say you'd score on this? What do you think your spouse would say you score on this by the way spouses don't reach over and circle a different number right now it's not nice uh so rate yourself rate yourself on that um kindness starts with seeing people's struggles and needs here's where it continues ready sympathize sympathize with people's pain sympathize with people's pain that verse in the message says when he saw the man's condition his heart what Went out to him. Did I skip a verse? I feel terrible about that. I didn't. I'm lost. Eh, it happens. Sympathize with people's pain. When he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. First, when you see people's pain, when you see people's pain, you've got to do something. You've got to sympathize with them. Let me ask you a question. When you see a homeless person on the side of the road, what is your first thought? What is your first thought? When you see an addict and you can tell that substance abuse is the problem, or even maybe it's a drunk in a bar. What's your first thought? Is your first thought that of sympathy, or is it of judgment? Is it of, well, that guy obviously got himself into this, or is it more of, I wonder how that guy got into this situation, and I wonder what I can do to make a difference in that situation. See, the funny thing is, is a lot of times our eyes are fine. We see the problems around us, but your heart isn't right. And we have no sympathy. And here's the funny thing. I don't care if their pain is their fault or not. I don't want to enable anybody, but if their pain is their fault or not, it doesn't matter. Jesus still calls us to step into their, into their situation, to sympathize with them, and to step into their hurt. Right? It says his heart went out to him. So how do you become more sympathetic? Well, I would argue that if sensitivity starts with the eyes, sympathy starts with your ears. Starts with your ears. 
learning to listen. In fact, sometimes kindness can just be expressed just by listening. A guy by the name of Joe Bailey wrote a book on grief. He had recently lost someone that he loved, and he wrote a book called A View from a Hearse. Love the title, A View from a Hearse. And this is what he said from his own experience. He said, I was sitting down, torn by grief, and somebody came along and talked to me about God's possible reasons for this. About why it happened, about hope beyond the grave. In fact, he talked constantly. He said things I knew were true, but I was unmoved except to wish that he would go away. Finally, he did. And then someone else came. And he sat beside me and he didn't talk at all. He didn't ask me leading questions. He sat beside me for an hour or more and listened when I said something and answered briefly and he prayed simply and then he left. And he said, I was moved, I was comforted, and I hated to see him go. Sympathy starts with listening. Galatians 6.2 says, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. So how are you at sympathy? Rate yourself on a scale of one to five. Maybe I need some work with sympathy. Some people are just not naturally sympathetic. I understand that. But how are you doing? One to five in terms of your sympathy. Here's the next one. Putting love into action. Seize the moment to act. Seize the moment to act. You can see the need, you can even sympathize with the need, but if you don't jump into it, if you won't seize that moment, so what? Kindness never happens. Love never goes into action. Luke 10, 34, the story continues, going over to him, the Samaritan, what did he do? Soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine, and what else? And bandaged them. He seized the moment, he jumped in, he didn't procrastinate. He did what he could do when it needed to be done. But if you don't actually do what needs to be done, when it needs to be done, what's the point? I heard a story about a guy, this is a true story, a man by the name of Ray Blankenship. Ray was preparing his breakfast one morning in Ohio. And as he was preparing his breakfast and looking out the window, he saw uh, a young girl that had been swept into a drainage ditch and the water was churning and flooding down the street through a drainage ditch. And Ray immediately knew that that drainage ditch just a little ways down the road disappears underneath the road into a culvert and there would be no hope for this girl. He threw down his pots and pans, he ran out his front door and he ran alongside this drainage ditch until he got close enough to her and he threw himself into the churning water. He surfaced and was just barely able to grab this little girl's arm and as they went turning and swirling upside down, down this drainage ditch. It says within, within three feet of where the water disappeared underneath the, the road, his arm reached out and grabbed something. He didn't know what it was. Maybe it was a rock, maybe it was a branch, but he was holding on for dear life. And he thought to himself, if I could just hold on long enough, maybe help will come. Well, by the time The fire department actually arrived. Ray had done better than that. He had actually pulled this little girl to safety on the the edge of this ditch. And on uh, Ray Blankenship was awarded the Coast Guard Silver Life Saving Medal. And that award is fitting because this guy jumped into the water and Ray didn't know how to swim. 
The truth of the matter is, whether you know how to swim or not, that little girl's headed for trouble. And are we willing to jump into it? Yeah, just this last week, as I was doing a training, uh, I, I heard the phrase like this, are we willing to get into the dirt with people? Are we willing to jump into the mud when they're in the mud? And do it right then and right there, because right then and right there is the only opportunity you get. It's the only opportunity you get. You can have all the sympathy and compassion in the world, but if you don't actually jump into action, if, you, if the moment will pass you by. Proverbs 3.28 says this, If you can help your neighbor when? Now, don't say what? Come back tomorrow and then I'll help you. How many people are getting old here? Like me, old, feeling old. How many people when something, you figure there's something that needs to be done and you think, oh, I need to do that, you have to do it right now or else what? You'll forget about it and you'll never get done, right? You've got to jump into action right then and there. You've got to do something about it. You've got to seize the moment. You've got to be willing to be interrupted. It's the, heart of the, it's the heart of the law. Matthew 7, 12 says this. Do unto others what you would like them to do to you. This is the what? It's the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. So rate yourself on this. How willing are you to drop everything right now and jump into somebody's um, pain and jump into somebody's suffering? Show spontaneous kindness. One is needs work. All the way to five is I'm doing great on this. All right, and then here's the last thing we see in this story. It's this, spend whatever it takes. Spend whatever it takes. The last part of this story in Luke 10 says, then he put the man on his what? On his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper how much? Two silver coins telling him, take care of this man and if his bill what? If his bill runs higher than this, I'll what? I'll pay you the next time. I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now I want you to think about this. This guy puts him on his donkey, which means he was on this trip with his own donkey, carrying his own stuff and maybe carrying him. When he comes across this man and puts him on his donkey, he's committing to walking however many miles are left to Jericho. By the way, it's uphill to Jericho. Did you know that? And so, and so it's a, it's, it's, an unbelievably selfless ass to say, I'm going to walk the whole way. When he gets to this inn, he immediately throws this, you know, gives this guy a room. He pays for his room and he basically says, I'm writing a blank check. Whatever else it takes, I will pay for it. I will pay for it. Whatever it costs. And what do you think this guy got for his trouble? Nothing. He didn't know this guy. He, he, he wasn't going to get a newspaper article out of it. I got to be honest with you, that's what kindness is. Kindness is doing something for someone and expecting nothing in return. Doing something for someone and expecting nothing in return. Kindness will cost you. Kindness will cost you the last few dollars in your wallet. Kindness will cost you uh, the trip you were planning for vacation this year because you need to help somebody else. Kindness will cost you your time. Kindness will cost you your energy Kindness will be an inconvenience. I guarantee it. it. The question is, is it worth it? Would I want someone to do it for me? Would I want them to do it for me? Are you willing to spend whatever it takes? That's the question. So I want you to rate yourself on generosity. How's your generosity when you see a need? Do you jump right in? Or do you need some work on your generosity? 
Which leads me to? So what, Steve? So what? Well, uh, let's read the very last part of this story. It says, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Where are my kids that were my volunteers? Vic, Tim, come up here. Vic, Tim, who would you say was the neighbor to the person who was attacked by bandits? Which one of the people that came up? Was it the one who helped you? That would be the neighbor, am I right? Yeah, okay. Uh, Hey, hey, dancing girl, dancing girl. Who was the real neighbor of the person who got beat up? Sam, the one who helped, right? Where's, uh, where's Levi's? Le- where's Levi's? Where'd she go? Hey, who was the one that was the real neighbor to the person who got beat up? Sam. Sam, who was the neighbor, the real neighbor to the one who got beat up? You, that's right. Give Sam a hand right there. Here's the point. You ready? Kids get it. It's not that hard. The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, good, yes. Now go and what? Do the same. Even kids know what this parable means. I'm going to give you a, ready? There is no hot take on the good Samaritan. There is no like, ooh, wow, that was deep and profound. We all know what it means. The problem is we aren't doing what it means. We all know what it means. The key is to just do it. The key is to do it. Now, I know the kids are in with us today, and so I want to word this carefully. Is that okay? So I'm going to word this carefully, and I'm going to talk a little bit in code, and all the adults are going to get it. Okay? You're going to nod when you get it. Ready? Because we have experienced another tragedy in our world again this week. Do you know what I'm talking about? In fact, the word tragedy doesn't even seem to capture it anymore, does it? And I got to be honest with you, whenever this stuff happens, and for me this week, I run through every emotion that you run through. I am sad. I get angry. I am perplexed that this keeps happening. How in the world does this keep happening in our world? And can I just tell you, the moment it happens, we get people who start screaming about somebody and what they should have done and what they should have done. And you know who's to blame for this. And you know what went wrong. And you know this, that, and the other thing. Can I just tell you, for all of that, it doesn't do any good. There is only one answer. There is only one answer, and it is love. The only answer is kindness. That is the only answer that will get our world out of the incredible pain that we are in right now. Love is the answer. Love and action is the answer. We have got to double down on loving our neighbor no matter what, no matter what we see, no matter what circumstance we're in. And we've got to do it as individuals because honestly, the only person you can love, you can only love people one at a time. Do you know that? You can only love them one at a time. We can talk about systemic change, but you can only love them one at a time. At 180, Jake was talking about, we run into that kid every week, every week. We look into his eyes and we see dead eyes and we think, I got to do something about this kid right now, this kid right now. And we have got to be the kind of people that do something like that. It's the only way we will change anything. Kindness. Here's the thing. We are always going to have victims. Do you know that? 
We will always have victims. There will never be a shortage of victims in our world. My prayer is that there are so many good Samaritans in our world that we overcome every act of victimhood. That's what we have to do. Um, Kindness overcomes pain. Love overcomes suffering. As long as we don't walk by. We cannot be the people who walk by. There's one more quote from Martin Luther King as he was thinking about this passage and I want to share it with you. It says, On the one hand, we are called to play the good Samaritan on life's roadside, but that will be only an initial act because one day we must come to see that the whole Jericho Road must be transformed so that the men and women will not be constantly beaten and robbed as they make their journey on life's highway. And the only way that road ever gets changed is that the people who walk that road stop every time, every single time, and make a difference in, that, in those who are hurting. We cannot be the people who walk by. We cannot be the people who don't stop. Let me pray for us. Father God, our world is hurting. There are families right now that are devastated and broken. But God, it is not lost on me that we've got people right here amongst us that are hurting, suffering. God, we've seen victimhood in all kinds of ways in our world. God, may we be the people who stop on the road. May we be the people who don't look the other way. May we be the people who who see with our eyes and have sensitivity, God. May we be the people who listen with our ears and that we show sympathy, God. May we be the people who jump into the dirt and into the mud and that we act with spontaneous acts of kindness, God. And may we be the kind of people, God, who are willing to spend whatever it takes in order to help people in their moment of need, in in their suffering, God. May we be the kind of people who do not walk by, but that we stop and that we love people in your name because of how you've loved us, that they might see your son, Jesus Christ. May we do that in his name. We pray this in that name. Amen.